0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back. In today's episode, we continue our series about teenagers. It's tough to be a teenager. It's tough to raise a teenager. If you have a teenager in the house already and you feel like you're way behind, then I think there's some good stuff in here that will challenge and encourage you. I hope you enjoy the episode. But before we get started, I need to remind you about the Helpful Marriage Conference at the beautiful Indiana Landmark Center in Indianapolis on March 4th and 5th. Tim and Mary Lee Bailey have been married for 45 years, and along the way, they have learned a lot about what makes for a good marriage. And so Pastor Bailey will be teaching from his wealth of experience on Friday and Saturday. But this event isn't just going to be teaching. We have planned the whole event as a weekend getaway for you and your wife. Aside from the great teaching, we have rented a game room at the Fountain Square Theater for fun and fellowship on Friday night. And on Saturday, we'll enjoy a fantastic catered lunch. So check out helpfulmarriage.com and register today. All right, the conversation today is with Max Carell and Tim Bailey. My name is Lucas Weeks, and this is the Out of Our Minds Podcast. So if there was one thing, at the top of your list that you want to say to parents as their kids enter into the teenage years, what would be at the very top?
1: I was talking with someone recently in, in our home about their about uh, the question of teenagers because they had some siblings who were teenagers and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do to protect their infant, what what they would do, how they would behave when their infant Became a teenager. What should we do? How should we? So this is new
0: parents, just brand new parents. Yeah, new parents.
1: What I said to them was, as I pointed at their her husband and holding that little baby, I said, "Well, right now, right now," because everything about how they'll be as a teenager is going to be fairly established by the time Hmm. they get there. So everything you do from the time of the birth of that child until the day. 13, if that's the magic number, Mm, yeah, you know, until the time teenage hits. It's become the magic number, right? You have already set so many things in motion by that time that once, once the raging of the hormones and the, the coming of age realities hit your child, you will either have a, on account, a lot of credits that will help you to help your child in that, to negotiate those years, or you won't have credits and you won't be ready to help them negotiate those years. And I think that's the thing that's, as I observe people, that's probably the single biggest issue is they hit teenagers and then they, they want to play makeup ball Mm, game, catch up, catch up with what's going on and so much of everything and and really it's not that you do everything right it's not that you have all the right formulas or all the right things it's that you have an established relationship it is that you have the heart of your child that there that they know that there's something in the home that's that holds them there is some kind of gravity that holds them in the home that they that they know and trust that they can depend on hmm. Because that's going to be able to help you to negotiate through what will be tough times with them when they're saying yes, and you're saying no, Mm -hmm. and they're saying no, and you're saying yes, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to, you're going to have to have something with you that will help them to say, yeah, but I really trust them. My daughter-in-law talks this story about her growing up and her teenage years, and while her parents were looking at her, and she was saying yes, and they were saying no, Mm -hmm and she she will talk to you about how angry she was that mm. they were saying no and that they were thwarting her at certain points and 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 then she would look at you and she'd say but you know it was interesting i was conscious of my gratitude that they were saying no even at the time at the time mm. she was actually conscious of her gratitude of them saying no she knew that within the relationship and the the of the home there was something there that she trusted them more than she trusted her yes hmm. and so that was a help to her a tremendous help to her and as she tells that story i don't i didn't tell it as well as she does but if she tells that story it's really fascinating because she's actually saying i was aware of it i was aware of it and i knew even as, she was, Even as she was rebelling against it. she was rebelling against it. Yeah, but did. she
2: never said it. To her parents. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure not. So don't think that... It was, it <laughs> was <laughs> painful. Yeah, I don't, mean, don't, it was real pain. Don't think that there's something wrong with you, that your children aren't looking at you and getting angry and saying, but I'm so happy that I have such <laughs> firm parents. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you no, know? yeah, no. It'll no,
1: be that, years later, they'll tell you. Yeah, she's not going to... She wouldn't have said that at the time, but the interesting thing is what made that possible? What strengthened her? Well, the work that had been done up until that point, if there hadn't been any work done up until mm-hmm. that point, and then suddenly she found herself thwarted and there was no uh, there was nothing on deposit. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any, uh, there was any reserve on the part of her parents with her and trust that way.
2: And specifically that her father different. took her out for breakfast every Saturday. Yeah, 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 every single Saturday he took his baby girl out to breakfast and so as you talk about this story i'm sitting here thinking about mike taking her out Mm -hmm. for breakfast and he adored her and the two of them had breakfast every saturday now those listening can't do that with their children most of you but that's what you're talking about when you say he had capital Mm -hmm. yeah capital and i
1: think that's such a huge thing and you don't just suddenly okay. Now I have a teenager. What's the new secret? <laughs> you co- you get to the teenage years having built all along the very capital that you're going to need to help them. And that, and I don't want to discourage you if that's not been the case with you. It seems
0: to me that many parents think of the teenage years as a time like okay, now it's going to get real. You know, now I'm going to get real and get into parenting. But really, teenage years is a time for reaping as much as it is a time for sowing is kind of what I'm hearing. Is it, would that be an accurate way to describe
1: it? Well, yeah, Tim, you're always, you always talk about the process of our children individuating mm-hmm. and how they judge us. Our children come to the point and they judge us. Well, when they judge us, they're, they're going to take the evidence before them. Mm. And the evidence before them isn't gonna simply be that you told them no. In fact, that might be evidence in your favor. Mm-hmm. As it was in my daughter-in-law's case, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so the evidence before them is going to be whether or not you have capital in their life, and whether or not they see something, they see uh, honesty, integrity, viability in your life, right? Most especially if you're claiming Christianity, if you're if you're a, a child of God, that they would see that you're not a hypocrite,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that. That hypocrisy is going to be against you. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, when you're talking about people looking forward to the teenage years, it's just a fool's errand. And it's a fool's errand because Jesus said um, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Hmm. Each day has enough trouble of its own. (laughs) And that is so true of being fathers and mothers. Mm -hmm. Every day has its appointed troubles. And Augustine said that childhood is torment. Mm -hmm. And of course, we understand that because you're always being told what to do. You don't have any agency independent of your parents for years. Uh, You may not like your siblings. You may not like your parents. Your parents might not like each other. You may live 11 miles outside of Wheaton and have to hitchhike to get to youth group. There are a lot of things about childhood that are very, very difficult. Hmm. Very difficult. And that starts when I have one grandchild who one day he was saying to his mother, Mother, what was going on when I had a lot of pressure on me and it was very dark and then all of a sudden I came out into the light? Well, his mother knew immediately that he had memory of being born. And... Is that memory warm and fuzzy for a little baby? No. Is it warm and fuzzy for the mother? No. Afterwards, she has the joy. Yeah. Not in the middle of it. Now, what's the point of saying this? The point is we are to live now. Sadly, it was John Lennon who said life is what happens while you're waiting for life to happen. Hmm. And I would say motherhood and fatherhood are what happens while you're waiting for teenage years. Yeah. And your teenage years, just like Pastor Max said, and by the way, I call them both Dave and Pastor Max. I prefer the name David. Everybody else calls him Max. (laughs) So that should explain it to you. But in those teenage years, they have their own particular challenges. And I I want to actually talk about that when you ask what is the thing that you really Mm. would want to say the one thing you'd want to say. But let's... Let's address here the fact that my mother used to be so disgusted with young parents who would talk to her about how they were going to raise their teenagers. They would never had mm. them. And it's just a fool's errand for young parents to even think about the coming years. They should do their work knowing that that will be the nature of the coming years. My dad used to say that we we all get old the way we lived our lives. Mm. And there's great truth to that. Your children will get old the way you've trained them to be young. So Mm -hmm. when that little baby is crawling on his hands and knees over by the outlet and you put a little plastic thing in it so you don't have to slap his hand when you say no and he reaches for it anyhow, okay, that's the rest of your life. You're going to have to be calling your children all the time when they're in high school, finding out where they are, who they're with, whether they're driving the car, whether they've been drinking, whether this, that, and the other, because you put little plastic guards in the outlets of your toddlers, your home with your toddler. Mm -hmm. You didn't teach them, no. You didn't teach them to obey you immediately, Mm all right? Mm -hmm. And that's another conversation, you know? Yeah. But let me go to the issue of what I think is so important for people when they do come to the teenagers. So, don't borrow trouble. Do your work faithfully now if you don't have children and teenagers. Don't go around telling people or thinking to yourself how you're going to avoid all the problems you had, your parents had, and you see other people having. Mm-hmm. Until you have raised teenagers to be godly as adults, don't open your mouth. Now, I think the thing that we have to keep in mind about teenage years is that they are always difficult, and it is inevitable, and it is not a flaw of design, but a feature. Hmm. God plans to raise up for himself a godly seed. Mm -hmm. God makes the two one to propagate a godly seed. I'm quoting from Malachi. To get the two to be one and not eight— so the mother and her husband and all the other children and the grandparents in other words to get that husband to leave and cleave mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is a painful process okay mm-hmm. and so to do that we have things called hormones that at a certain time in life they awaken mm-hmm. all right they're they're incipient before Not insipid, but incipient before. okay, And then they spring forth just like bulbs in springtime. And that is hard. It was hard with Adam and Eve. It will be hard the last day that this world exists Mm -hmm. in its present state. Mm -hmm. It is always hard. It is not a function of some unique set of circumstances in your home. Now, there are unique circumstances which cause it to be particularly hard in this direction or that. Say, for instance, that you have a child who, say, a boy by his older brother or, say, a girl by her uncle has been sexually molested. Then you have a particular set of circumstances that make it particularly hard. Mm -hmm. Although, remember, incest is in the church.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: And we know that because it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. All right. So, steady as she goes. But... When everything that's particular to this home, this family, the parents and their child is removed and we just see basic teenage years, basic adolescence, basic fresh into sexual, um, sexual desire comes alive. Mm. That you desire to be married and have children and be intimate with somebody else. Okay. When that happens, there is no way to escape it leaving all things new, making all things new. And nobody likes for things to all be made new. Mm. And so we're resistant, but God designed it for the purpose of breaking up our parent-child family unit. The, the This is the reason that the husband leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. It's what it says in Genesis. Mm. This is God's design. It's not a failure. All right. And so... Anybody who thinks you can get through the teenage years and be chilled out, if I see a family where teenage years are just going, perfect, Mm. I'm actually worried. Mm. I don't think that's good because I think there should be some evidence of friction because we're doing a new thing. And if that child doesn't know we're doing a new thing and feels such pressure from his mother— or sometimes his father, if his father doesn't discipline his wife to allow the child to individuate, if the parents are so stultifying, so so sentimental, so over the top in protecting their teenager, it's not good. It's not good at all. And so all I, my most important thing to say to parents that you ask, you said, mm-hmm. "What's?" The, yep, I yep. want to say to parents, do not try to escape what God does at every stage in life, especially the teenage years. You're not going to be able to protect yourself from all the dangers. It's a design feature. Hmm. The child is now becoming an adult and will make his own mistakes. It's not right for you to pull back his individuation so that he doesn't make mistakes. Those mistakes he making usually because you didn't do the toddler years right. And then you didn't do the primary ages and then you Mm. didn't do junior high right. And so now you're getting what you paid for and what you're going to double down on controlling your child when he's in high school and what he's going to continue to make the mistakes that you make because you have taught him to do everything he's doing. So if you don't like what you see in high school and you think that the way to handle it is to double down on everything and try to start all over again quickly, it's not going to work. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think there are times to remove a child from the home who is a teenager. When he reaches the age of uh, Majority. majority, if that child is so disruptive to the home, to your marriage, to your, to your other children, and dishonoring to his father, God, or to your father, God, then he has to be removed from the home, mm. okay? But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the normal difficulties of individuation with a desire that's sexual in nature, which will God has designed to cause the child to leave and cleave. Don't short-circuit that and don't think there's some technique that will make it safe. It is not safe. It will never be safe. I don't care what church you in. I don't care how good a marriage you have. I don't care what the siblings have set as a pattern in your home. I don't care how many times a day you, that child reads the Bible. I don't mm-hmm. care about any of that. It's in the design of those years that on the cusp of taking up marriage— and childbearing, mm-hmm. and fatherhood. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of what the Germans call Sturm und Drang. Huh. Yeah, And it's a feature, it's not a failure. And you need all the help you can get from the church. But what if you have been a
0: failure? And this is where I think you were going earlier, Max. So there may be some people listening to this podcast and think to themselves, okay, well, I'm, I'm already in the teenage years now and I maybe recognize that what you're saying is true I should have been doing this work before uh, when they were younger but now here I am and this situation with my teenagers is beyond, beyond what I can handle or know how to deal with I mean they're just totally rebellious it's clear
1: to me that I don't have their hearts <clears throat> what am I what am I supposed to do now well the first thing I would say is at some level we we all of us are all failures Mm. with all of our children there isn't anything you there isn't anyone who can claim "Uh, i did this perfectly with this child that's just a lie and something we should understand that will help us as we come to the time when we're when we're dealing with difficulties with our children i think you you want to if you if you feel like i failed substantially i failed significantly I failed so horribly that I don't feel like I have any. Well, I would, I would certainly encourage you to get get some counselors to help you because what you're trying to do then is you're trying to negotiate to do the best that you can as your child individuates and and leaves your home. And you think, well, okay, but they're not leaving for three years. Well, how fast is three years? Huh. Ah. <laughs> I mean, about as fast as you saying, ha, and that's how fast three years are done. They're just done. And so you want to, and, and then you think about, well, what is it that I really want to do? Well, what you want to do, I think what you want to do is you want to give testimony to God with your children as they're going out your door. You want to call them however you can. You want to call them to serve God and to know him. And, and I say that, and, and what does that look like? Well, I don't know, because it, 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 you know, it certainly is speaking uh, to them of their faith, their need for, for God and his help in their lives, right? Go ahead. Well, so here's a thought, and I, like I said, I've not
0: been through this, but as I've observed, other parents go through the teenage years and, and have to deal with that friction. My observ- observation is that if you arrive at that point as a parent, and you realize you're, if you, that you're way behind, then the the first thing to do is is to take stock of where you actually are with your kids. Mm-hmm. You can't act as if you have a relationship with your son or daughter if you don't have a relationship with your son or daughter.
1: Truthful assessment all through. I mean, the baby is born, mm-hmm. and if you put it on a chart, and there are eighteen marks on the chart, mm-hmm. you're assessing all along the way because at the end of 18, there's a door mm, huh. and, and there they go. Wow, yeah. And so what you're saying is some people, and most of us to some degree, maybe all of us to some degree, mm-hmm. don't realize or aren't making those assessments <clears throat> along the way. And suddenly we wake up to the fact of, oh my, yeah, there's the door. Yeah, It's well, kind of like waking up and realizing that you haven't made provision if you're wanting to pay for your children's college, that you haven't made any provision to pay for their mm-hmm. college, and suddenly you're at the door. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So, it's quick. It comes up on you instantly, as you were saying earlier. I think in so many things that we do on this podcast, what we're trying to get Christians to do is to be released. <laughs> we want listeners to be released from the pressures of conservative churches who try to get them to live in the superficial and controllable instead of the reality of hearts before God. Mm. And so, we cannot blow it with our children by raising them in such a way and then running them through high school in such a way that Uh, other parents will hit us and wish that they had children that were as good as ours, okay? Mm -hmm. That is absolutely destructive to the souls of our children. It must not be done. Each child has their own sins, their own temptations because they belong to parents, mothers and fathers who have their own sins and their own temptations. And so we have to be real. We have to see what we see. And when we talk about having your daughter's heart when she reaches high school... I mean, honestly, what father has ever had his daughter's heart when she reaches high school? You know, I think if anybody had his daughter's heart, it's your daughter-in-law and her dad. And yet he and his wife infuriated her with the decisions they were making in her behalf, right? So stop with all this rosy-cheeked, starry-eyed baloney about what it should look like. It will never look like that unless you have failed. And then it won't really be like that. It'll just look like that. Okay. Uh, now, yeah. that, that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is when our second, who was a boy, reached his teenage years, do you know what I did? <laughs> okay. So, now I'm telling you all what you should do. All right. Do you know what I did? I went to Tim Wagner, one of my elders. He has, what, 10? Mm -hmm. And he and his wife homeschooled their children. And I went to Tim, and I actually had tears in my eyes. And I said, Tim, I am just scared to death that I have no clue how to raise a son. I have no clue how to raise Joseph. Would you please pray for me? I didn't think he could say anything to me that would make it good. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that it was a matter of wisdom and common sense and do this and don't do that. Can't you read the sign? I thought I was hopeless. Mm. And so I asked him to pray for me. Real sophisticated, isn't it? Yeah. All it requires is for you to see inside yourself what you see Mm. and then confess your weakness and ask for prayer. Mm -hmm. Then I had a very, very deep and sophisticated method after prayer. You know what it was? What was it? I just thought to myself, you know, I love him mm. and I'm going to hug him mm-hmm. and I'm going to kiss him. Mm-hmm. Well, when the sexual years come, it's awkward, <laughs> you know, with girls because their body changes, with boys because their brain changes, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, The first time or two, I could tell he didn't want me hugging him. But, you know, I wasn't hugging him because I thought he wanted me hugging him. I was hugging him because I thought I wanted to hug him. Yeah. And I thought, I may not be able to give anything else to this young boy, this Hmm. growing man, than my physical touch. But I'm going to give him that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And it wasn't more than one or two times. He knew I had resolve. And then he allowed himself to like it. And so to this day, I and my sons
0: are touch. Are affectionate,
2: yeah. And it's not sappy at all. Sometimes I even rub their cheeks, certainly rub their hair. And you may not be like this, although I think touch is really underrated in the church, especially the Reformed church. I, I think we are such... Uh, disembodied brains. All these online forums where a bunch of, I'm sorry, but stupid young reformed men and women talk about theology. I mean, it's just idiotic. It's like they think because they have a thought that that makes them deep and committed and doctrinally sound and all this stuff. No, 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 no. Let me see you when you have a baby, whether you control your temper. mm Let me see when you have toddlers, whether you're patient. That's the indication of your doctrinal maturity and of your clomping down on the character of God who is Mm -hmm, mm long-suffering. You know what I'm saying? In other words, uh, I think we tend to denigrate and depreciate the value of touch in the Reformed world. Mm -hmm. And really, things are much, much much more foundational, basic, much more holistic, much more Mm. tactile, much more bodily Mm. than any of us want to admit. And the reason we don't want to admit that is it's very easy to write up a statement about what is true about the Trinity as Augustine saw it or or to talk about how important it is to baptize your babies and everything. What's really difficult is to discipline and love your babies and to touch your teenagers. Mm. So I want to say, that you must not think that Max and I did things right. There were things we did right, okay? But both of us will tell you that when we looked at the children God gave us as young adults and as teenagers, we thought, how in the world did that happen? Mm -hmm. How did that happen? I mean, I'm such an undisciplined selfish pig and look at my children that is a healthy response of a father to his teenagers Mm. that there is anything good that came from you Mm. i mean you know remember how i talk about how if I ask a man who travels for a living, whether he's being pure, and he looks at me, he says, yes, oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And I would never commit adultery. Remember, I say to him, so you're, you're that much better than King David, aren't you? Well, the same thing is true about being a father. So what we're trying to get across is you are not capable of being a father or a mother to your children. You are capable of being a Christian pleading with god for mercy
1: that's the only time i think i'm absolutely sure i'm doing the right thing is when i'm pleading with god for myself but for my children for my grandchildren mm. that, that's i don't have any now i know i'm doing the right thing <laughs> please please mm. please would you father would you please
0: what if you can share what would you say or some of the biggest mistakes you've made
2: well, with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now. There was a day Mary Lee came to me and told me that she needed to be disciplined. And I disciplined her and disciplined her and disciplined her because her mother had said she needed to be disciplined. And we, in the end, found out we were both wrong. She had done nothing wrong. But that
0: was when she was really little.
2: Well, it was awful. Yeah, I believe you. It was absolutely awful. And so, you do make mistakes. Mm. Now, we laugh about that case now. She laughs about it. The whole family laughs about it. I mean, we were so devastated to realize <laughs> that both Mary Lee and I had misinterpreted. I would start with our last, Taylor, and I would say that I got tired by that time. Mm. And I'm not going to give you the specifics of it, but I will tell you that in my personal conduct at home, I went somewhat to seed. Mm. I was not engaging. I was not as focused on Taylor as I had been on the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I was weary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge mistake. Yeah. A huge mistake. Because children actually do need a father as well as a mother. Mm-hmm. So there, I gave one. David, you want to give one? (laughs) Well, I'm thinking of along with all of my other many sins,
1: I think the, the one I clearly think of the most in my failure is my lack of faith in what God has said. You know, God gives us specific promises and directives toward our children. And so if you think about spared the rod and spoil the child or the, the the rod will drive foolishness out or, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. you will, he will not surely die. But if you think of that in relation to, well, I'm done, I'm not spanking my children when they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I am disciplining my children when they're teenagers. And I think that, I think that something that was glaring about my failures and weaknesses Uh, with my children was at that point of my fear coming out so much and my lack of faith Mm -hmm. in what God had said. Mm -hmm. And so parents, you know, you you're facing these questions and what you have on the one hand you're holding in this hand. Well, if I do this, I will scar them irrevocably. Right. If I do this and if I, if I do that, you're holding these things, and you're not trusting, because these things are just what the world says. They're just the the lack of faith in your own heart. They're your own protection of your own covering of your own sins that may be there in your hands as you're looking at your children, mm-hmm. and none of them equate with God's word and his promises. Mm-hmm. What you should do, you should do, <laughs> and that's it. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be superficial about it because it really is, there is faith yeah. in the actions that we take. There is real faith involved in it. But having faith in what God has said, you know, we, our hearts are bound up with our children. Mm-hmm. We, we want to uh, assure some result that will happen with them. But in the end, we can't assure that the result that will happen with them. We can, however endeavor to obey god in the work that he's given us to do with them well and specifically you're talking about discipline i think yeah discipline because discipline is
0: the thing that we don't want to do as parents yes
1: but even but even but love Mm. i mean you we get so our our ideas about love and discipline as the world is feeding us garbage constantly it just becomes all twisted and convoluted we don't think about the goodness of no Mm. We don't think about the, the protection involved in the laws, even the laws that surround us. You know, we don't, even, we don't think about the goodness in those things, and yet the Bible says the law is good. Mm. It's good. And we get all bollocks up inside because what we want is we want our children to like us and we want our children to be happy and we yeah. want this and this and this. And what we really ought to do is want god's glory oh yeah Why and children these children god. belong to god and mm-hmm. so they've they've been given to us by him for his purposes and for his
2: own glory mm-hmm. when you talk about discipline i don't think that can be overemphasized with college students and i think one of my greatest uh, failures in the in the high school and in the teenage years is was not having faith for discipline. Now, I know that my kids would think I'm wacko to say that because, of course, they would think, maybe, I don't know, that I discipline too much. But when I look back on those years and I think of the major disciplinary actions I took with my high school students, I mean, children, honestly, there's not one of them that I regret. I think that those were the times where I did the most important work and had the most faith. I think that where I was always tempted was to be so fearful about where their hearts were that I avoided knowing. Mm -hmm. I avoided emotional, intellectual intimacy with them because I didn't want my stomach to do somersaults thinking. I remember on the way back up to Taylor, we were taking Heather back up to school after she had visited So, she was still a teenager, but probably 19. And on the way up, she's waxing rhapsodic, or as Max would say, waxing elephant, about how wonderful Tony Campola was. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was maybe not anybody that I was more opposed to spiritually, doctrinally, on every level than Tony Campola. And principally because he was the favorite speaker on all the... Christian campuses around the country at that time.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: And so I just shut my mouth. I didn't say anything. I didn't express disapproval to Heather. I didn't warn her. I didn't do nothing. Being emotionally engaged is with people is what you do. And so I mean that's no, it's not what I do. It's what I do with everybody but my children. Huh. I have more faith for other people than I do for my children. My children scare me. To death to this day including mm. this thanksgiving Why? i just oh <laughs> uh, i'm gonna tear up you know i just i love my children yeah and i don't want any discouraging news from my children because it just makes my ache for them and i don't want to have to do that mm. so and so You know, back in high school years, I remember Mary Lee spending hours in the kitchen listening to her children talk. And I I could not believe the patience and selflessness of Mary Lee. And, and, you know, part of it probably also is (laughs) you say, I'm emotionally intimate. Well, the other thing is... I don't leave a mistake uncorrected, you know? <laughs> and if I believe that my teenagers are supposed to make mistakes, I have a certain sense that I should stay some distant from them so that I don't try to correct them every five minutes, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Mm-hmm. It's what the people closest to us and our children are closest to us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, man. It's all our what,
0: hopes and dreams, I mean.
1: Well, but, yes, and all of our, a huge amount of ourselves, Lucas.
0: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. is in them. Oh, yeah. Huge amount. And you say hopes hopes and dreams, but our very selves are Mm -hmm. in them. And so they, far more than anyone else, have the capability in what happens in their lives of of either causing us to to have have joy or causing us to to have incredible grief. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of all that, We are also looking to God, and that's why when we talk about praying for our children, we say pleading, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. God's not unaware of our love of our children, Mm -hmm. but we plead with him.
0: There's a lot more to say about teenagers, and we will pick up the topic again in January. Next week, though, we'll have a special Christmas episode. I hope you'll join us for that. My name is Lucas Weeks, and the conversation today was with Tim Bailey and Max Carell. We serve as pastors at Trinity Reform Church in Bloomington, Indiana. For more great content, please visit warhornmedia.com. To support this podcast, you can donate at patreon.com slash outofourminds. Bye for now.